This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Interesting day. I said to my staff yesterday afternoon, they said, uh, what time should we come in tomorrow? I said, I don't even know if you need to come in. It's going to be a quiet day. Uh, that kind of proved to be a little different. Um, you know, when you're presented, you know, things have changed here. You know, we used to uh, chase players, have to overpay players, and, you know, we've become a destination place. And we're getting those calls first, uh, as some teams are, and it's nice to be in that position to uh, have an opportunity to make your team better. And I've always said my job as a general manager is to make our team better if we can, and we felt uh, the additions today uh, certainly put us in a different spot moving forward. Orloff's, uh, you know, a, a player that we're very familiar with. Obviously, was in Washington for a long time and traded to Boston last year to deadline. And um, you know, we think uh, uh, puck moving defenseman fits the style that Rod likes to play. You know, he's uh, can join the rush, can bring some offense and power play in that. And you know. Our team has been known that we spend less time in our zone than any other team in the NHL. And so when you're talking about adding pieces to your uh, to your hockey club, you want to talk about can they make your team better. And certainly we feel that with his abilities back there and that, that he does that for us. We wanted to add uh, to our forward group uh, you know, a player that brings lots of intangibles. You know, he can score, hits. He's a you know, feisty guy. Um, so assuming there's no issues with our paperwork, we'll sign him to a three-year deal uh, with an AAV of $4.5 million. You know, we're fortunate to have an owner that will spend as much money as we need to spend, but unfortunately the NHL tells us we only can spend so much. So uh, cap went up a million dollars this year, and I think we're hovering right around $80 million, which is crazy because yesterday before the day started, I think we had $24 uh, million or $23 million of cap space. And it goes quickly. You can't take your cap space with you. If you don't spend it, you lose it, right? So we wanted to make sure that we, and, and cap's only going to get tighter as you continue on, so we want to leave ourselves as much flexibility. So that's why we came up with this idea of going at him uh, with a good number that we thought he could accept and do it for a shorter term. And it fits what we need, and, uh, and he was excited about it, so um, it made sense to do it. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast with your host, Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. And now, here's Adam. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. And I thank you very much. It's a special edition of the podcast because this is really just an emergency opening of a podcast that was recorded live to YouTube on Friday. And in that one, um, Matt Soma from used to run uh, at Kane's Prospect, the Twitter account there, uh, but is now a director of scouting for a club 
in the British Columbia Hockey League. Don't you know how interesting is that? Uh, with Bradley Nadeau uh, being the first pick for Carolina. So really, the podcast was just that, and that was about to post. But then July 1st hit, and it all hit the fan. So I figured, why not? We'll just tack on a different opening, and then we'll get you to that conversation about 30 minutes talking about the draft and some Hurricanes prospects as well. Before we do this, a quick reminder that we are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it there at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham, no place like it. So Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job. Uh, All you do is go online for a free no-obligation estimate at AluminumCompany.com. All right. Remember when uh, the Carolina Hurricanes told us that they don't do free agency? Well, holy cow. Uh, It was a heck of a July 1st, as they say in uh, the Premier League. Uh, I thought Carolina did some pretty good business today meaning uh, July 1. And there's probably more to come. There's going to have to be more to come. Um, But let's just go through what they did on the first day of free agency. And we'll start, you know, we're going to start small with the stuff that uh, they brought back. Jesper Faust on a two-year deal, $2.4 million per. That's great work. Remember, they already re-signed Jordan Stahl to a four-year contract. The Sebastian Ajo stuff is coming. By the way, you heard a couple of clips from Don Waddell uh, about uh, what they did with Arloff and Ajo uh, and um, cap space. Wondering where that was in February. They had they left cap space on the table then too. Um, but let me uh, let's just keep it to this. But yes, Perfaz, two years, two point four million dollars per. Outstanding work. Both goalies came back. I thought it was an absolute long shot that they would be able to do that, but Ante Ranta comes back on a slightly reduced salary from two million to one point five on one year. Freddie Anderson comes back for two years at three point four a year. That's six hundred thousand per less than he hit. No, uh, it's more than that. It's a million one. He was a four point five million uh, a year guy. So uh, the Hurricanes, uh, who have already signed Pyotr Kachetkov to a four year deal of two million per, you've got Kachetkov, Ranta, and Anderson combined for six point nine million this year. That's less than they paid for their goalies last year. Uh, when you prorate. Kachetkov's contract, that's probably pretty close anyway, uh, with uh, Kachetkov, what he earned in the NHL. Um, And they get all three goalies. So, I mean, shouts to the Hurricanes. And there was very little time last year when all three goalies were healthy at the same time. So, uh, again, very good work by the front office. And then we get to The two big plays today. Dmitry Orloff, right out of the gate. It was like the fifth or sixth or, you know, early in the top ten of signings that came down the pike. And apparently it was Orloff's crew that reached out to the Hurricanes. How about that? Um, And, yes, fans may may have had something to do with it, as Don Waddell uh, alluded to 
uh, in his uh, little media availability today, but um, who knows? But two years, $7.75 million for uh, an absolute bona fide top four left defenseman. Not that Carolina needs one today, but they might need one in a week. Uh, we'll get to that, the ramifications of it. But uh, Dmitry Orloff is an outstanding player. And is $7.75 million too much? Yes, that is too high. But that's the tax for this only being a two-year deal. And if you've paid attention to the stuff that I've been saying on Twitter at a gold fan about Carolina, specifically to Brett Pesci, but the same applies to Brady Shea. Carolina wants to bring both players back, and they are actively trying to bring both players back on a contract extension. But the shorter-term deal is what they want. And I don't know that you're going to get that from either Brett Pesci or Brady Shea. The Orloff signing may allow Carolina, and we're going to have to deal with the reality here, may allow Carolina to trade either Shea or Pesci and kind of ride the year out with the other on the, the, the final year of their contract. But um, if Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, or, or, or Brett Pesci even, if they will accept a three-year or a four-year deal then I think Carolina will bring them both back. Maybe overpay a little bit for, like, if I was going to guess at what Brett Pesci's value was in the open market, it'd be close to seven. You know, if he goes, if he's, if he was a UFA right now, I bet Brett could get seven years, forty-five million on the open market. He's not a great offensive player, but he's good. He's he's capable. Uh, Shea. Probably has a little bit more offense. Probably isn't as good defensively, right? Uh, and Shea would probably get in the neighborhood of uh, between five and six, is my guess. So if you brought Pesci back on, let's just say, a four-year deal at 28, would you do that if you were Carolina? And I think the answer is probably yes. And would would Pesci, would Shea come back at four years, 24? I think the answer would be yes. I think Carolina would bring them both back on shorter deals. But to ask Pesci and Shea, who are looking at their last contract, to ask them to do you a solid? I mean, you can ask, but nobody should be offended if they didn't. I get what the Hurricanes are thinking. I do. I'm not mad at it. And I would, I will totally understand if Pesci looks at this situation and says, no, man, this is my last, try, last chance to get paid. If it's not here, it'll be somewhere else. That's just business, and that's okay. And if that's the case, if Pesci wants the eight-year deal, then I think Carolina would likely do a sign-and-trade somewhere and sign Pesci to the contract that they want and ship him off somewhere else and maybe get a huge return 
And if they get a huge return, who knows? And I think the same for Brady Shea. I think both are um, candidates for that. But right now, and my understanding is the team wants to bring both back, right now Carolina's defense is the best in the National Hockey League, and I don't even, I, it's just not even close. Slavin and Burns, Shea and Pesci, and right now it's Orloff and Jalen Chatfield. And understand this, and Waddell said it, the Tony D'Angelo thing is happening. Tony D'Angelo, on July 9th, that contract can be executed, that trade can be executed, and D'Angelo becomes a hurricane. Gives them seven NHL defensemen. Logic will tell you, somebody's got to go. Logic will tell you that. So, does Carolina flip D'Angelo? Do they move out? Shea or Pesci? I think logically you'd say yes. But they wouldn't have to figure that out tomorrow. Uh, but Carolina's blue line, because Dimitri Orloff is an outstanding player. Nobody's arguing that. Um, and the $7.75 million, which is higher than he probably should have gotten, he's probably a $6 million a year player, maybe six and a half. Um but you pay a little bit of a premium to get the term, to get the deal short enough where, you know, it's two years from now, he's gone, You're gonna re- and Burns is gone, you're going to re-sign Slavin, and then you've got the two young guys who might be able to step right in, uh, Nikishin from Russia, and by that time, Scott Morrow might already be here. Um, and Jalen Chatfield should be growing as a, I think, a top-four option. So Carolina's in pretty good shape right now. And on top of that, as as strange as it sounds, they are absolutely in the mix to get Eric Carlson from San Jose. What that would mean, can't even explain. Uh, first, it would take a lot to get him. Uh, but if you were able to get him and San Jose was willing to pay a, uh, a fair amount of the freight, and maybe you can use a third team to even launder more of the money through, it's possible that the cap hit for Carlson could be in the uh, neighborhood of $7 million, in which case $7 million for four years. Didn't we just say we would do that with Pesci? So I could certainly see that happening, but uh, I still think it's probably a little bit of a long shot, but they are definitely uh, in the conversation uh, about landing the current Norris Trophy winner. Uh, so that's all on the blue line. Now we get to the other part of the equation today. And that was Michael Bunting. And I think I mentioned it either uh, on the show or on the podcast. Uh, but Bunting is a guy that I thought fit very well in what Carolina wants. And he is... He's an aggressive player. He's not big. He's only 5'11", so he fits in there, right? Uh, But he plays in front of the net. He plays with a lot of uh, aggression and annoyance. He is a pest. He has a little bit of a nose for the goal. He scored, what, 27 a year ago? 
and he plays a physical game. Now he's a little out of control at times, but, you know, maybe they can dial that back. But I think you kind of live with it. He's, he's an element Carolina doesn't really have in their top six. And I think that's probably where Bunting would play. So if you put Bunting on the left side of Ajo and Seth Jarvis, maybe that really helps Ajo and Jarvis out. It's certainly a good signing, I think. Remember last year, everybody was excited when it looked like the Hurricanes had signed Mason Marshman to a uh, to a, uh, a free agent contract. And then at the last minute, he decided to go to Dallas for basically the same deal. Which, I'm not blaming him. That's fine. But this is a good signing, Michael Bunting. And... What it does is it lengthens Carolina's lineup out of because if Bunting is playing on the top line, then that means either Natchez or Jarvis or Taravainen is playing on a third scoring line. So we I got uh, caught up in a, a conversation on Twitter today about uh, my view of Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who I see as a, a third center. But because Jordan Stahl is still here, you can't be a third center. You'd have to be a fourth center, blah, 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 blah. Because I think Carolina, if they to, to put them in the best position to win a Stanley Cup, I think Carolina needs to get a, an upgrade at number two center, what, however that is. But regardless, um, right now Carolina down the middle is Ajo, Kokaniemi, Stahl, and my guess is Jack Drury. But Bunting can play. It's the perfect player to add to this mix. And three years, four and a half million a year. Again, good business done by the Carolina Hurricanes. So a very, very good opening day to free agency. Now, where do you go from here? If you bring in D'Angelo, if you still execute this deal... Do you trade Shea? Do you, I mean, Pesci might have to, I, like, not might have to go. It really depends. And it might be a case where the music is playing and when it stops, which defenseman is sitting in the chair? It might be first to agree. First to agree to Carolina's terms. And that'll be enough. I don't know. Um, but right now, Carolina is in a very, very good spot with their roster, with their cap situation. Um, even if they add D'Angelo, uh, they'll they'll still be under the cap. But with seven NHL defensemen, legit, and I'm not even counting Dylan Coughlin, who accepted his qualifying offer. Actually, I don't know if he accepted. He was made a qualifying offer. Yeah, I don't know that, that he's accepted it yet. Um. But if uh, you have seven NHL defensemen, you're not going to carry. Um, I mean, those guys, none of those guys are going to sit, be healthy extras. And I don't think Carolina is going to play a steady diet of seven defensemen. Maybe they will. Uh, I doubt it. So my guess is one will be moved. But still, uh, there is a lot. There is a lot to like about what Carolina did. Um, and we'll get past the personal stuff if a guy like Brett Pesci, 
who is absolutely part of this core if a guy like Pesci has moved on. But that'll be an emotional conversation for another time. Uh, but it's hard to find fault with anything they did. Uh, Orloff, short term. Even the potential of adding Eric Carlson, which would only be four years because that's what he's got left on his deal. I mean, that's what they're looking for. More flexibility. The cap's going to go up. But a good bit of business uh, done by Don Waddell, Eric Tulski, and Tom Dundon. So, uh, quick timeout. And then we'll get to uh, Matt Soma. And we will talk draft and prospects and more. But Hurricanes fans should all be pretty excited about what happened on July 1. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast, our first post-NHL draft edition. I am Adam Gold. You see on your screen right there, Matthew Soma, who is now, congratulations first before we even start, the Director of Scouting, for the, I have no chance to get this right. Uh, the Coquitlam Express, did I get that correct? Yeah, the pretty close. It's, uh, oh. it's, I think there's emphasis on the Coquitlam, but yeah, it's it's spot on. <laughs> oh, Coquitlam. Well, we don't yeah. like that. We want everybody to compete all the time. All right, before we get into some things, I just want to set up what we're going to do here. Uh, this will, other than maybe getting an opinion, not going to deal with any potential trade of Brett Pesci. This makes me sad. Uh, I hope to not cry during this. I have a particular fondness uh, for Brett Pesci. It would be better, of course, if he just, uh, if the Hurricanes and Pesci could come to an agreement on a contract. Uh, we're not going to talk about, uh, you know, at least get into any detail on some other big club personnel matters other than who we might see among the young players stepping forward and getting into this, and we're not going to get into any other issues really with the big club. Uh, this is really about the draft and uh, kind of using uh, Matt's expertise with prospects because everybody knows I don't have it. Um, we'll uh, we'll kind of see what, what we can see about the future. I will say this before we get into the uh, this draft uh, and all the Russians. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. five five Russians this year for last year. Um, I know the Hurricanes, and Matt, we, we can st start the conversation here. The Hurricanes have a particular philosophy about what they are looking for in the draft. And if you, for instance, follow Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, uh, he is, I mean, he can't love Carolina's draft enough. I think he wrote yesterday that I should just reprint what I wrote last year. Boy, do I love everything about this draft. They think about the draft the same way I do. And I know they they have a, it's sort of like a sales view of it, safety and numbers, that everything's a risk. There are no sure things. So the more kicks at the can you get, the better chance you have of 
some of these guys sticking. Um, but before we get into this draft, this is the fifth one. Fifth one? Fifth one of the Tom Dundon era? Not counting the, I guess it is. The, is it the fifth or sixth draft? Sixth draft. Because sixth, uh, yeah. uh, sixth draft. So they've exactly had they've had exactly four players make the NHL in their draft. One of them is Andrei Svechnikov, who was the second pick, was a was a no brainer. But is it is that a sign that maybe a different strategy needs to be employed, or was there's always a long game strategy? Because we really haven't seen very many players rise through the prospect rankings to the NHL. Again, Svechnikov, Drury came out of the same draft, Kachetkov, and I think I'm forgetting one more, uh, but I don't think it's anybody who's played a significant number of games. So um, your thoughts on that? Oh, Jarvis. Jarvis, that guy. I was trying to think of it too. Don't worry. Um, Woo! Yeah. And we love, we love Seth. So of course. Yeah. No I think with the hurricanes draft strategy, it's um, you take the home run swings. Sorry. My cats are fighting in the back. Oh, <laughs> the octagon. We did not, we need an octagon. My it, dogs uh, are inside. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have the hurricanes have a strategy of taking those big home run swings, right? The yeah. guys that, you know, have the top of the lineup upside and you know there's always going to be risk with those players but once you get past a certain point in the draft there's a risk for every player i mean i'd argue after pick five there's no real sure thing okay um so with the hurricanes i look at it this way you know i'll use it in examples canes fans can understand you know some teams may take the player that has the ceiling of a guy like the the jordan martinook for example, and the Canes might take a guy whose ceiling is, well, if he hits, he's going to be like a, you know, Seth Jarvis or, I mean, Martin Natchez is a good example, you know, guys like that. And, you know, would you rather have the Martin Natchez level upside player, you know, the guy that can hit 70 points, or would you rather have, you know, the guy that might give you 30? Like you're going to take the guy that, plays top six sure. minutes. Yep. Um, now, granted, you know, you may argue that, well, the player has the, the lower floor or the higher floor or whatever. That that doesn't really happen. Most of the players that get drafted with a high floor have the same bust rate as guys that have, you know, the, the really high ceilings. So you can fill the bottom of your lineup um, with players like that that you can find in free agency. You know, fourth, Fourth line players and third pairing defensemen are a dime a dozen. Yep. Might as well take the home run swings, and that's what they've done. You know, I, I mean, you know, with their first round picks, you think about it. Jarvis played on the top line. Um, you know, Svechnikov, um, Svechnikov, and Natchez are obviously top line players. I know Natchez was a Ron Francis pick, but still. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Kochekov, who hopefully you're hoping is a starter. So. You've, you've taken those swings and it's filled out the top of your lineup, which I think is important. All right, let's get into this draft. Uh, and again, uh, you can see his name right there. Matt's, Matthew. Sorry, do you, would you prefer Matthew? It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Soma uh, from the Coquitlam Express in the 
British Columbia Hockey League. And that's where we start with Bradley, who left out the E for effect. I don't know. Nadeau, I made the joke. Uh, I've been waiting for Nadeau. It's terrible. It's a terrible joke. I have another bad joke coming uh, with the second pick. But, man, again, you'll you'll have a greater expertise than this than I would. But I don't even care what level he's playing at. The dude scored 113 points in 54 games uh, yeah. for Pennington. So, uh, or whatever I just said. And what, 35 more in the playoffs this year in 17 games with 17 goals. So I'm not really sure if you can really slam that pick at all, uh, especially number 30 in the draft. But this kid looks like he's got an elite shot. So what do you know about him? Uh, what can you tell us? He's a great player, and he's the, he's the type of guy that the Hurricanes have been drawn to. You know, the really smart, cerebral players with, you know, the high-end hockey sense. The, the skill is obviously an added bonus, but you can't teach the mental side of the game. You can't. It's it, there's, there's something to be said about a player that just already knows what to do as soon as he steps onto the ice. That's That's huge. And you know, the, the V's are a team that is going to be at the top of the BCHL every year. That's right. just how they are. That's how they operate. They're a team like the Chicago Wolves of the AHL. They always want to be the best. And the fact that they had a 17-year-old kid get into the top of their lineup and dominate in the way he did is just impressive. And he's the BCHL's player of the year. He's the, the playoff MVP, just ridiculous accolades had an 11 game point streak this year or multi-game right. multi-point streak sorry <laughs> it's that's even more impressive like 11 games in the bchl you're kind of like okay well what else can you do but no 11 straight games with a multi-point effort is incredible only getting held scoreless in uh five regular season games is also ridiculous just this is a kid that can play at the top of the lineup. Um, I like the fact that he's going to a, a smaller hockey school like Maine. Yep. Um, Maine has done a really good job of recruiting. Um, they brought in Arizona Coyotes prospect Artem, Artem Duda from Russia, which is crazy uh, to think that they're getting a kid that played, you know, I think 30 games in the KHL this past year. Wow. So this is a team that could be on the upswing. They, they've got a new staff up there and he's going to be a top player on that team pretty much immediately. And the fact that he's playing with his brother, who he's already had some success with, I think that's really good too. Yeah. Look, I, I think U S college hockey is becoming uh, a very popular place to go and, and play. It doesn't have to necessarily yeah. be Canadian juniors. You can go to U S colleges and frankly, the hurricanes have plenty of players who uh, played a lot at the collegiate level. We mentioned Brett Pesci at the beginning of this. You know, he was at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, Jacob Slavin, another guy who maybe next year we'll have another conversation on a podcast about uh, a, a potential contract extension for Jacob Slavin. wonder if he's paying attention to this one. I bet that he is. Um, right. First of all, can any of Carolina's, before we get into some of the other guys, um, can, is, are these guys all wingers or can, does anybody have the ability to play center? You know, I was having this conversation the other day, I think with, I think Rod has a, uh, 
He has a, a say in it. He, he picks these guys that can play centers and at least take face-offs. Okay. Because you look at the Hurricanes roster, how many of our wingers can still take a face-off? You've got sure. Natchez, you've got Martinook, Foss, even. You know, those Terrible are all guys that can take face-offs. Yeah, so I think the fact that too. you're drafting a player that has played center previously, they may never be a true center, but if they can at least take a face-off, I think that stands out to a coach like Rod. All right. Well, let's get into some of the other guys. And here comes the second bad joke. Uh, Felix Unger Sorum, who I look at with, say, Bradley Nadeau, that's an odd couple. Again, that's a joke for people who are even older than me, probably. Uh, and I was a little disappointed they didn't take anybody named Oscar Madison uh, in the uh, in the draft later on. Uh, so his, this is a kid that played in Sweden for, for, a, uh, for a junior team in Sweden. And the, I think their systems are obviously a little bit different than what we have here. I think this, the junior teams are all attached to the senior teams. So what do we know about Felix Unger Sorum? Um, well, I mean, what stands out to me is the fact that, you know, he was over a point per game player with only 10 goals. Like this is a kid that is an elite playmaker. Um, you know, obviously you'd like to see the goal scoring maybe go up a tick, but Again, you look at what he's done. He checks a lot of boxes for the Canes. He's smart, really good playmaker, um, good head on his shoulders. I think he does well along the boards for a guy that might be a little smaller than, you know, a, a typical player. Right. But with Ungersorum, you know, you're hoping that he can be almost like a Tevo Teravainen type where he brings you, you know, he may not be the like a burner when it comes to skating, but he brings you, you know, some reliable playmaking, penalty killing, stuff like that. All right. Um, because I, I do want to leave time to talk about the prospects that Carolina currently has in the pipeline that we expect to at least challenge for a roster spot, whether it's this summer or next summer. Um, I'm just going to leave it open at five Russians. Basically there's, it's also a type that Carolina drafts and it seems like most of this draft class is under six foot, uh, whether that matters or not. I know I have spoken with Tom Dundon and he says it doesn't matter at all. Yet I keep hearing, uh, at the trade deadline. Well, we'd like to add a little size. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe draft it, but uh, again, I'm not the expert in that. So, uh, so who else from this draft class, if you want to run through a couple of names of guys that really stand out to you, uh, that maybe they got value on? Jaden Perron is a player that, I mean, some people were mocking in the late first round. I didn't necessarily believe it again because of the size. I, mean, I think he's 5'9", 165 right. pounds. Um, and I think he's, he's a, a big, winger. Big scorer, right, in the, uh, for the Chicago yeah. Steel? Yeah, and he's going to North Dakota, which was another trend. We grabbed two kids that are going to North Dakota next year. Um, so that's going to be kind of appointment viewing for Canes fans if you can find you know a way to watch North Dakota. Um, <laughs> Jackson Blake, uh, who's there already. Um, yeah. I know a Canes assistant GM, Darren York, has raved about him before. This is a kid that is just so much fun to watch when he's got the puck. And I think Perron is kind of the same way. You know, he's... He's electrifying with the puck. He can make a lot of plays happen. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how how can a player that size maybe adjust his game at the NHL level? You know, college is going to be a big thing for him where he can start playing against competition that's a little older. And he's another Canadian kid, actually, that's decided to go the college route. And I think that's, you know, 
again, it speaks to how much college hockey has grown. Um, you know, the, the other player I, I look at in this draft that maybe isn't getting a ton of attention is the fact that, you know, the Canes drafted again, two goalies, um, two Russian goalies too. And with the thing with Russian players in the CBA is you don't have a timeline to sign them. So Ruslan Kazayev and Yegor Vilmakin, they all have a chance and you're going to have basically, you know, how, however long you want to let these kids just cook in the right. Russian leagues before bringing them over. Yeah. And, and I mean, there are a lot of good Russian goalies in the NHL, man. Uh, and Carolina hopefully has one of them in Pyotr Kachetkov. Um, also, they went to uh, Quinnipiac. They signed the goalie as a, uh, as a, I guess, a free agent after uh, this past college season, Yanni Peretz, who had incredible numbers. I don't know if he's really a prospect. I can ask you about that. You can throw in a comment about him. Uh, but uh, Charles Alexis Legault, a defenseman, and I know the, the head coach there is a big fan. Yeah, and you know, uh, obviously, there's there's a bit of a Canes connection with um, Skyler Brindamore. You know, obviously, winning the the championship there. I think with Legault, you know, you're you're hoping that he can continue to be a productive defender and kind of play. You know, I call it the modern style, where you know he may not bring some offense, but you think of like a Brett Pesci type where. He's a good skater. He can, you know, seal off plays along the boards and just provide you some reliable defense, you know, maybe not in a top four capacity because that's not really what you're drafting for with a defenseman in the fifth round, but maybe in like a third pairing role. And then with Peretz, hey, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He, he's been a great goalie pretty much everywhere he's gone. He's another BCHL kid. Um, but you also look you know, he's probably going to take a couple years because there, there is a pretty sizable jump between the NCAA and the uh, NHL, especially for a goalie. No question. I, we saw that when Jack LaFontaine had to play as good as he was at the University of Minnesota. And I don't think he was as good in the year where they pried him out because Carolina had to have a goalie. Um, they basically bought his the rest of his senior year uh, or whatever, however many senior years it was because he played college hockey for so long. Uh, but you could tell the speed difference. Um, but I think Perrette's numbers is, you know, save percentage numbers at Quinnipiac far exceeded what Jack LaFontaine had at the University of Minnesota, at least on a consistent basis. So I guess there's, and he's not exactly a big guy, so he does it with, with some quickness and some athleticism. Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I look at what they want. Stall is back. They're go. I, I think they're going to make every effort, and I think they'll be successful in retaining Jesper Fast, uh, barring a major trade that takes players out of their top. I'll say top nine. There aren't many spots left to fill with with young players. So let me run him down, and you give me your thoughts on these guys and where they might fit, and give me a ceiling as well. Uh, let's start with what Alexi Ponomarov. Yeah, Vasily Ponomarov. Vasily, not yeah. a, You mean all Russians are not named Alexi? Well, I made a Andres? joke yesterday that that you know if you uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember Alexander Rykov when I was talking with my wife, and I said, well. His first name's Alexander, and I know his last name ends in Av, so that's like, you know, 60% right there. Um, He's Vasily Ponomarov is a really good kid, and I think this is another player that Brindamore is going to love. The work ethic's outstanding. I I could see him fitting on the fourth line, I think, because if you look at the Canes' fourth line last year, what what stood out to you? Because to me, what stood out was how slow that fourth line was. Right. Like, you know, Stefan and Stasny obviously have had great careers, but those players are not the players they used to be. And they had definitely lost more than just a step. They they were a couple steps slower. So Panamarov brings some speed, some grit. I, I think eventually you could have him in a role maybe like a Jesper Fast just with a bit more offense because I think his offensive skills underrated. He's a player that's really smart. And I, I could see him moving up in the lineup if Brad needs to move him up. Is Jamison Reese like a new version of Chad LaRose? I've yeah, that's exactly the comparison I was going to use. He, he is a pain to play against. Yeah. Um, Watch any clip of Jamison Reese and you'll see him getting cross-checked after every whistle because of either something <laughs> he said or something he did. <laughs> well, look, I, I, look, uh, I don't know what their fourth line is going to look like um, this year. I mean, it might be Jack Drury's job to center that fourth line. Uh, or if Carolina goes out and gets a legitimate number two center, I don't believe... Yes, this is my editorial comment. I don't believe Yasperi Kokaniemi is quite there at uh, to be a number two center on a team that wins the Stanley Cup, uh, barring a big leap forward this year. But I could see Kokaniemi playing in that role, although a much more expanded fourth-line center role, um, and Kokaniemi centering two young guys with a little bit of skill and that would be the advantage that Carolina hadn't been able to take it really, um, you know, translate into scoring for them. I thought the fourth line this year was dynamite. It just didn't score enough. Uh, and maybe because they didn't have great speed. Where are we with Ryan Suzuki? Man, Suzuki's had such brutal luck. Yeah. I don't think he's had a fully healthy season since he was drafted. Obviously, there was the COVID year, so we can't really count that because I think the AHL played maybe 20 games. Right. The eye injury. Yeah. There's the eye injuries draft year. He's had lower body injuries each of the past two years. Um, Defensively, I think he's ready to play in the NHL. He makes a lot of really smart plays in his own zone, and I think that's something that we were worried about. Or not we. The public scouting sphere was worried about when he was drafted is how, how 
is he really going to play uh, if he's a one-dimensional center? And that hasn't been the case. Um, now the question is, can he get to the middle of the ice as a center or is he going to be a perimeter player? And I think if he can get to the center of the ice this year on a more consistent basis, he's more likely to be an NHL player than not. All right. Let me, um, before I get to uh, the two real prospects defensively, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe even that is um, being unfair to a couple of other guys. Uh, is, is there another forward in the system that you think has a legit chance to either make the team or uh, impact the team down the road? Down the road, I'm, I'm going to shout out a former Coquitlam Express in Massimo Rizzo. Okay. This is a kid, I mean, he was drafted second to last in the draft, and you wouldn't be able to tell based on watching him play. Won a national championship his first year, and this kid, again, in the same boat, a similar boat as the guys we talked about in the Bradley Nadeau, Unger Sorum, you know, he's an undersized forward, but with how he plays, he's so smart and so skilled with the puck. This is a kid that if he makes it to the league could be a top nine forward. All right. Well, well, well that's, that's always nice. Um, but he, and actually it's a pretty good name. It's, it's comparable to uh, Cruz Lucius. Yeah. Who, one of, uh, again, a contender for top name in the system. Yeah, incredible stuff. Uh, all right, on the blue line, and then we'll uh, we will let Matt Soma go. Um, I asked a friend of mine who was actually playing with the Chicago Wolves last year. Give me somebody who you think is going to be an NHL player. First player he gave me was Anthony Honka. I'm not vouching for uh, this person's scouting skills, but I am asking you, uh, what is his future? Given the lack of a solution on the second power play right now, why not? Is he's, he that he's that good offensively? Yeah, he, he was great offensively this year, and I think he defended a lot better on the smaller North American ice. Um, there is less space on the North American ice, right. and so Honka, with his skating ability, is able to close gaps a little quicker. Um, that wasn't the case in Finland, and he got turnstiled a lot in that way. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're used to seeing that. Um, what about, was it, uh, maybe this is an Alexi Himosami, uh, who, I mean, I looked at his numbers again. I don't think he had a great year statistically, but that doesn't mean he's not still a great prospect prospect. He's a good prospect. He's just playing on a team that refuses to put the puck in the net. Oh, okay. Um, there, Asset has been a very, poor offensive team. See, I've been watching them since 2018 when we drafted Lenny Keelanen. Okay. And, who obviously did not sign with the Hurricanes, uh, I think this past summer. But they they just haven't been a team that's consistently been able to score. Himasalmi is great offensively. I think he doesn't get as much credit defensively as he might deserve. But I, I, I'd probably... I would hesitate to put him in the top five of our current defensive prospects just because of a couple names at the top. All right. Now, the, and these two names at the top are coming here, and I know the team is very excited about their futures. So let's start with Scott Morrow, um, who is still playing in college. I think he's at, he's at UMass, right? Isn't he yep. where Kale McCarr uh, yes. came out of? 
Uh, well, I don't know if he's anything. <laughs> uh, if he plays that way, I'm not comparing him to Kale McCarr. Uh, but I know the team's still high on his future. He's a left side defenseman, right? He's a left shot. He's a right-handed defenseman, but plays on the left side for UMass. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure. I'd have (laughs) to look at what the rationale is for that. But I'm not going to doubt Greg Carville, uh, the head coach at UMass. He's he's had some really good results. With Morrow, I think the the key is just going to be patience. I mean, he's going to have some growing pains defensively, but offensively and with the way he carries the puck, there's no doubt in my mind that that, that will translate. And Nikishin, the kid from Russia who's still two years away from coming over, but they believe could play in the top four even today. Yeah, I strongly believe that too. And that makes me excited because he's 21 years old right now. He, I think he'll be 22 in October. And think about two years from now, if he's already – a potential top pair or top four guy, what's he going to look like two years from now? This is a guy that had 55 points in 65 games last year as a defenseman. The, those point totals are inflated a lot by the power play. And I mean, you know, he, he's basically feeding one timers to Dimitri Yaskin, who is a noted goal scorer in the KHL. Right. But physically, mentally, and with the way he skates, there's no doubt in my mind, this kid's an NHL player. I think he has top pairing potential. And I mean, look, the kid's nickname is Boom. I think that's fantastic. Um, watch him hit people is just phenomenal. He, he's not just a physical defenseman, though, and I think that's where people get hung up and that they think, oh, well, he's just a physical defenseman. He'll be on the third pair. No, there's a lot more to like about this kid. All right, uh, before I let you go, and I appreciate your time. I've already gone over where I, where I wanted to be. Um, and But... That's par for the course for me. Look, I, I talk too much. I get it. You know. No, no, no. Like I said, man, this was, I have no idea who any of these people are. If they were sitting next to me, I wouldn't know who they were. Um, because you had mentioned you wouldn't put Hamusami in the top five prospects on the blue line. Well, I only mentioned three others. So give me two other prospects defensively who might be able to impact the Hurricanes at some level. Uh, going forward, and do we anticipate any of them being available or, or ready to step into the lineup now? Yeah, I, I think we have. Um, you know, obviously, I, I'd put Nikishin number one, uh, Moro number two. Um, I, I would say Honka's three. Um, I would put Dom Fensori number okay. four. I think he's okay. a player Sweet. that what a skater. Yeah. And the work ethic is unbelievable. I remember this kid's first camp. He's going up against, uh, I forget who it was, but they were about 6'5". And obviously he's 5'8 on yeah, a good small. day. And <laughs> With the wind. He goes in, strips the guy of the puck, outmuscles him and outworks it, takes it the other way. And I'm going, like, this kid's work ethic is outstanding. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I, I look at another player in the system um, who, who may not get as much credit, but I think Ronan Seeley had a really solid second half of the year. Um, yeah. His first half of the year was rough. Um, he maybe got pushed a little higher in the lineup because of injuries in Chicago when basically their whole roster got hurt. Um, but 
the way he skates, the way he thinks, this is another player that I think could play NHL games. Himasalmi might have a higher ceiling, but with with Sealy, I think there there may be a better chance of him playing. All right, final thing, and this is more broad brush about the Hurricanes system, which may or may not include these draft picks. Um, it's clear that Nikishin and Morrow are future, at least in the minds of the uh, of the scouts, future top four players on the blue line. Yes. How many other prospects in the in the system can you see playing in a top six as a forward or a top four as a defenseman? For some of them, it just depends on their role. Um, like with the with Honka, the the question with him is going to be: Can you trust him with second pairing defensive minutes? Right. But Honka is a guy that if if he gets on power play time and does well and can defend at least you know at a reasonable level at the NHL level, maybe. Okay. Nadeau's a guy that I could see in the top six at his peak, like at his ceiling. If right. everything breaks right for this kid, if, you know, the, the Hurricanes have a spot for him, that's a player that I could see playing in our, maybe the second line. Okay. But other than that, you're looking at middle of the lineup guys pretty much across the board. All right. I appreciate your time, Matt. So first of all, congratulations on the gig, man. You're living out a dream. I know for you. So uh, that's awesome. So do you have to move now to BC or? Not yet. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the junior hockey grind is one that, you know, kind of has to be like a, a side project still. Right. Obviously, I'm dedicating a lot more time to it, uh, which is why I've had to step away from the Canes prospects bit or beat after this draft. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of video. Hopefully a, a decent amount of travel and, you know, just some fun tournaments. Uh, I love it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you get, like I said, man, you're living out your dream. Uh, I appreciate it. I, uh, I'll, I'll be in touch at Matt Soma 12 on Twitter. Now at Kane's prospects is the responsibility of somebody else now, right? Yes. Uh, I, I'm really excited. Um, Nick Bass is going to be taking over the account. He's, he's a, a really good kid. Um, somebody that's, you know, kind of getting a start around the same time that I did. Um, okay. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Well, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. And good luck in Coquitlam. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. Hey, appreciate your time. And that'll do it for us here uh, on this first post-draft edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thanks to Matt Soma. And we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.